Today we're going to hear from Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 40. Listen for the word of God. After leaving the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various kinds of diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. Demons also came out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them. It would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Messiah. At daybreak he departed and went into a deserted place, and the crowds were looking for him, and when they reached him, they wanted to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he continued proclaiming the message in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know what would be really wonderful? If God was actually like a giant vending machine. If, if we could just take a moment to walk up to this vending machine and just look over the selections on offer and then give whatever appropriate sacrifice or money was required, pray the right combinations of prayers, just like pushing those little buttons, and ta-da! The thing that we most want from God would just come tumbling out the bottom of the machine, just like we'd asked. Wouldn't that be great? If we could just say, you know... God, what I really need today is some inspiration. There's a sermon coming up. I need some inspiration today. How about I pray that A14 prayer and I just wait for the perfect idea to show up? Or really, God, what I could use today is some joy. Let me give you $100 and I'll pray that C7 prayer with a very sincere heart and uh, just expect my heart to instantly overflow with joy. Or let's see, actually what I really need today is some healing. Let me order that up with one of those long and arduous F12 prayers, plus three hours of community service, and I'll even pray this one on my knees for good measure, okay? And uh, just wait for you to give me what I need, God. If God were really like a giant vending machine, that would make things so much simpler for us. But God is not like a giant vending machine. I don't think you needed me to tell you that. The Bible promises us that the power of prayer is strong, and it can even accomplish seemingly impossible things, but nowhere does the Bible tell us that we can just order up what we want, just push the right combination of buttons, and when we want it, God will give us exactly what we asked for. That's not the way prayer works. Which is tolerable, I think, when we need something like inspiration or joy, but what about when we need healing? When we need healing, we usually feel pretty desperate, and we want God to act. How do we pray to God for healing, and what can we expect God to do in return? Now, we're spending some time these weeks here after Easter talking about words in the Bible that have a particular resonance for our world struggling with this pandemic. If you've missed any of these sermons, by the way, you can go back to our sermon podcast. You saw something about it there in the slides before worship. Uh, just go to the live stream page and you can find the podcast with uh, several of the last weeks or it's on Apple, uh, iTunes now or, or Spotify, any place you get your podcasts, you can find it. And so you can go back and listen to what we've thought and talked about in terms of refuge and lamentation and consolation and neighbor. 
Today we've got a, a big word that asks us to wrestle both with the power of God and what it means for us to be a person of faith, and that is healing, healing. The Bible, you, you know, is absolutely full of stories where people pray for, where they ask for healing. And in a whole lot of those stories, healing occurs. This is one of the things that the Bible says very clearly about God. God is a God of healing. God wants to bring wholeness and health to the world. God has the power and the will to restore us and bring healing even in the most dire of cases. So over and over again, in the pages of Scripture, people pray for healing and sometimes healing occurs, and sometimes it doesn't. King David prayed earnestly at the bedside of his sick child. He slept on the floor next to his child's bed as the illness raged on, and uh, in the end, the child died. In the Psalms, we have plenty of instances of people praying right in the midst of their trial, asking God for mercy, asking for help, begging, how long, O Lord, how long must we wait? And then the Apostle Paul, he had what he called a thorn in the flesh, some ailment that continued to afflict him, no matter how deeply he prayed for healing. I wonder if some of you have ever been like David or one of the psalmists or the Apostle Paul, down on your knees, even maybe beside the, the bed of a loved one who's suffering, asking for help, asking for hope, asking God for healing. Now, those are good prayers, really good prayers. I am all for offering up prayers, asking for healing. I do it often myself as a pastor. And so I think that we should pray boldly and loudly and earnestly for God to bring healing whenever we suffer. I think we should pray for God to bring healing from illness of all kinds. We should pray for God to bring healing from addictions. We should pray for God to bring healing from depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder. We should pray for God to bring healing from racism. I think we should pray for God to bring healing from corruption. I think we should pray for God to bring healing from arrogance and pride and selfishness. I think we should pray for God to bring healing from all the things that ail us. We should pray to God asking to be made whole and asking to be made well. We just need to stay open to the fact that God might answer our prayers in a way we never expect. As much as I think we should pray for healing, I'm aware that sometimes Christians really get it wrong with these kinds of prayers. That we look to God sometimes as this giant vending machine, seeing it as some kind of simple transaction. Christians sometimes think, if I pray right, and if I'm good enough, then God will grant me healing. And if I don't do it right, or I'm not good enough, well, my family had to face this difficulty in uh, the early 80s. Now, this is a story that I only know through my parents' retelling of it, because I was five, and I was oblivious to pretty much anything other than the fact that my aunt was really sick and my parents were really worried. My father's sister, his only sibling, was diagnosed with leukemia in 1981. And at that time, treatment for blood cancers was very different than it is today, and she got really sick really fast. Now, we lived in Wichita, and my aunt lived in Wichita, too, and had for some time, but she went to a different church than my family went to, a church that was much more conservative, and a church that believed if a person prayed hard enough and earnestly enough, 
that they could be cured of anything. And so they prayed for my aunt. And they told her to pray, and they told her to pray a lot, and they told her to pray hard, and they told her to believe. And they gathered around her hospital bed, and they prayed, and, and they prayed harder, and they told her pray harder and harder and believe that God could work a miracle. And so my aunt hoped for that. And my, my whole family hoped for that. Of course they did. But my parents were so uncomfortable the whole time of the way her church seemed to be setting her up for healing as a test of her faith. Believe enough, they seem to say, believe enough and God will make you well. Well, my aunt didn't get better. She had a bone marrow transplant and she still didn't get better. And as the weeks and months went on, it became clearer and clearer that my aunt was not improving and she was not going to improve. And guess what? The members of her church and the pastor, they just slowly disappeared. They stopped visiting. They stopped praying at her bedside. Apparently, she failed the test, and they were ready to move on to other causes. And my Aunt Pat died in May of 1982. Now, of course, I still grieve. My family still grieves the loss of my aunt. You know well the hole that is left in a family by death. Our loved ones are never replaced. But what infuriates me to this day is the bad theology taught by that church that she attended and their cowardice in, not, in walking away from her before she died. They thought they were people of big faith. They thought they were bold enough to ask for a miracle, but when they didn't get just the healing miracle that they had asked for, they assumed that God was not at work. They assumed that the only thing that God could do was a cure, and if God wasn't going to do that, then God must have walked away from my aunt, and so they were going to do it too. And let me tell you, that is some bad theology, and that is some really thin faith. So if we're not going to believe like that about healing, then what does it mean for us to pray? What does it mean for us to pray to God when we're ill and when we're suffering? It's a big question. Let's take just a minute to look at the scripture together. The passage comes from very early on in the gospel story, and it, it shows us that healing is a part of Jesus' mission right from the get-go. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus has actually not even called any disciples yet when this story occurs. He's spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting. He has been baptized in the river Jordan by John, and he has gone home to teach at the synagogue in Nazareth, which resulted in him having to slip out of town before a crowd could throw him over a cliff. It was a good visit, good visit home he had. Well, Jesus left Nazareth, and he showed up at Capernaum, which was a, a bigger city, a decent-sized city, a center for trade right there on the sea of the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And, and he was probably staying in the home of Simon Peter. And when Jesus got there, he discovered that Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. Now, if we showed up at somebody's house and heard that someone had a fever, we might not think it a huge deal. But remember, Simon did not have Tylenol that he could give his mother-in-law. He had no antibiotics. He couldn't put an IV drip in her arm. He couldn't give her an ice bath to cool her down. Fevers were serious business in the ancient world, and often they could lead to death. So when Jesus got to the house, the family asked if he could help. And, and Jesus, Luke says, I love this, he rebuked the fever. That's the same word that he uses for demon possession, right? He rebuked the fever, and it went away instantly. Huh, she was made well immediately. And she got up to serve them, to fix them dinner. 
Now, we might read that scripture and say, hey, couldn't the woman have had like an hour in bed to recuperate? It seems pretty unfair that she just jumped right up to fix dinner, doesn't it? Okay, the point of the story is that she was immediately made well, completely well. She was completely well, so well that she could just get up and go act as gracious hosts, right? By this time, the folks around had heard that Jesus was there at Simon's house, and they started bringing all kinds of sick people so that he could help, and he did. He, he healed all kinds of Ill- illnesses, the scripture says, even casting out demons. And the next day, he started to leave town, but the people of Capernaum, they wanted him to stay. Please don't leave, they said to Jesus, and, and we can understand why. I mean, maybe they had not gotten all the sick people there the night before, and they wanted him to do some more healing. Maybe they knew that some of them were going to have problems in the future and they needed him around. But Jesus, he refused to stay. He said, I can't. He said, I have other places to go to proclaim the good news of God. And he left. And I imagine that he left some sick people behind when he left Capernaum. I imagine that Jesus left some sick people behind unhealed whenever he moved from town to town. Jesus did not heal every person of every ailment in all of Israel when he was alive. So, first thing to notice about this story of healing, nobody had to pray in order to get healed. Nobody had to prove their faith or answer some specific set of religious questions or or beg God in just the right way. Jesus showed up and he started healing people because that's what he did. He's Jesus. He is God incarnate. Healing people is a part of what he does. It's just a part of who he is as the son of God. And and noticing that reminds us that this is a story about who Jesus is, not a story about who the people are that he healed. This is a story about who Jesus is, and it tells us that Jesus is a healer. Also, notice that Jesus did not take time to ask in that crowd. Now, who are the good people here? Just bring the good people up here to me. That's who I want to heal. All the bad people, you can just stay sick. It reminds us that that illnesses are not something that we bring on ourselves by being bad people. And I trust that you all have buried enough friends to cancer to know this truth. We don't get sick because we did something wrong. Illnesses and healing are not correlated with sinfulness and righteousness. Now, Jesus says this elsewhere directly in the scripture. We do not earn our illnesses by being bad, and we do not earn our healing by being good. Also, God doesn't choose to help just the good people and leave the bad ones to suffer and die. And I think that this is something we need to hold on to pretty tightly right now in the midst of this pandemic when illness and politics and cultural tension are so intertwined. People who get sick do not get sick because they deserve it. People who are healed don't earn it by being good. So those are some of the things that we don't want to say about healing. What do we want to say? Well, the scripture, like all the healing stories in the Gospels, is meant to remind us that our God is a God of healing, that what God wants is healing and wholeness in the world. The Bible lifts this up again and again, and even the picture at the very end of the scriptures reinforces this truth. If you turn in your scriptures over to Revelation 21, you'll read about this picture of the end of the world, 
what the whole end of the world is going to look like. And it says the holy city is going to come down out of the sky and God's going to recreate the earth. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be a place where there's no more death, no more tears, no more pain. It's this picture of a return to the Garden of Eden in some ways, a picture of complete and total healing of the earth, a picture of health, a picture of wholeness. That's where we're headed. The Bible has no confusion about that. That's where we're headed. Our God is a God of healing who is eventually going to heal the whole world. But we aren't there yet. And some days we feel like we're really far away from that picture of God's ultimate healing. But we get glimpses of it. We get snapshots of it. And in fact, that's what Jesus was doing as he healed people in Galilee. He was giving people a foretaste of what was to come. Jesus' ministry is like a sneak peek of what God has in store, what God will one day do for the whole world. So when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, it's because he was the son of God and God is about healing. Jesus did it to show his power, to show his promise, to show what's coming in the future. Well, you might ask, Amy, then why doesn't God just heal the whole world from disease right now? Why, why doesn't God just stop this pandemic right in its tracks? Doesn't God know that's what faithful people really want? Well, of course God knows that. And the honest answer is, I don't know why God, does, why God lets illness and suffering continue. I don't know why God doesn't just stop this pandemic. But I do know that just because God hasn't stopped COVID-19 doesn't mean that God isn't doing anything right now. Because I know that sometimes God brings healing in ways that we can barely see or we can't expect. You know, lots of times God brings healing through the works of doctors and nurses or first aid kits like Rebecca had, like medication and bandages. Sometimes that's the way God brings healing. Lots of times God brings healing through scientists and public health officials. But God doesn't seem to just want to obliterate COVID-19 for whatever reason, but that doesn't mean God isn't helping in smaller ways, all kinds of ways that God is inspiring people. God is giving people endurance and compassion and skills to help one another. I think God is at work in a thousand different places right now, bringing help and and healing and hope to people who need it. God is helping us all stay home and endure this to help flatten the curve. God is helping our medical professionals. God is helping our scientists figure out a treatment and a vaccine. God is offering wisdom to leaders and sending people to help comfort the sick and the grieving. God God is offering healing in lots of ways. We just have to have our eyes open, our eyes of faith open to see it. And it needs to be said that sometimes, sometimes the healing that God offers actually comes to us through death. This is a difficult lesson for us as people of faith, but we can say that in faith, we know that life eternal awaits those that we have loved to their very last days. And we know that God has promised joy and wholeness on the other side of our struggles here. And death, when we know a God who loves us without end, that is not the worst thing. And sometimes it's the only kind of healing that's left. So does that answer all our questions about healing and faith? (laughs) Probably not. And I'm okay with that. I want to invite you to be okay with that too. I want to invite you to hold open that we don't understand everything about how the world works or everything about how God works in the world. Sometimes miracles occur 
And we can stand in awe of that when it happens, and, and we can thank God for that, and we can have our faith grow. And sometimes the miracle that we want so desperately doesn't occur. And we can still pray to God for help and hope and trust and know that God will offer us a different kind of healing, one that allows us to move forward in faith. So in the week ahead, I want to invite you to join me in prayers for healing. Let's pray together this week, trusting in God's power to heal and God's desire to do that in all kinds of different ways. So pray with me for the work of our medical professionals. Pray with me for the work of our scientists. Pray with me for the work of pastors and chaplains and therapists around the country who are helping people heal in mind and heart and in spirit. Let's pray together for the healing of those that are suffering from COVID-19 and those suffering from loneliness or anxiety. Let's pray for healing for those that are weighted down with boredom or tedium. Let's pray for wholeness and for healing for those we know and those we don't. Let's pray trusting in our God of healing, waiting to see that good that God will bring in all kinds of powerful ways. Thanks be to God. Amen.